Hi, welcome to Infinite Leaders Live. I'm Lewis Keynes. Our why is all about being better. We want to support people from all walks of life to be infinite learners, willing to listen and learn to be better educators and to be better humans. I'm joined as ever by my pal, Alan Dunstan. Thanks, Lewis. Really looking to, to dive deeper into understanding how leaders with an infinite mindset translate this across to their teams and their lives. We want to focus on the things you don't get taught at university or on any courses, real life lessons from real life people with real life experience. And we're learning, this isn't our day job and we also record live, so please forgive the few mistakes that we'll have as we go through. Uh, we love, we'd love your feedback, so please get in touch and we fully believe in what we're doing and we want to get better too, so your feedback's really important to us. You can find us now on Instagram, on YouTube and Twitter and also at theinfinitelearners.com, our shiny new website. So sit back, listen, learn and please share with your colleagues and friends our chat today. Alan, should we get stuck in and introduce the guest? Yeah, pleasure to have Ian Deeth on the show today. Um, Ian is currently the Head of Primary Activities at UWC Singapore, having previously worked in Malaysia and the UK. As well as his day job, Ian is an elite level athlete, competing as a member of the Spartan Pro Team. Before that, he represented GB Athletics in the 400 metres. He's even been on Gladiators, and for me, that's one of my favourite shows from the 90s. Uh, Looking forward to, to see how Ian Balance has been an, a, an elite athlete and a, a top-level educator as well. So no doubt there's going to be some absolute gems of wisdom today. Get your pens and papers ready. And Ian, can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Hey there, guys. Yeah, of course I can. So born and raised in Southampton and had a very happy child, childhood. Amazing time in the schools that I grew up. Abbotswood, Tesswood, all in the Totten Southampton area. Um, and then went to university at Brunel University, um, studying sports science. And that's kind of where my, my passion for athletics started. I didn't start and really find my kind of sporting passion until I actually went to university. Uh, I was playing football and just a multitude of different sports before that, windsurfing, uh, rugby, cricket, basketball, whatever was available. And then, yeah, at university, sort of found my, my passion there. And when I finished my sports science degree, I took a year off to train full-time for athletics with the aim of trying to make the Scottish team for the Commonwealth Games. So I'd represented Great Britain at under-23 level GB students. And it was 2002, the Commonwealth Games were in Manchester. And so the aim was to, yeah, take a year off and, yeah, try, try and make the Commonwealth Games team for Scotland. So... During that time, I worked part-time, so I was training full-time, which as an athlete, it's not actually that many hours, and I needed some sort of income to keep things ticking over. So I started teaching at a secondary school in central London, uh, right near, it's almost like a two-minute walk from Oxford Circus called Portland Place. So worked there part-time teaching PE. Um, with private education, you didn't need a, a PGCE or, or teaching qualification, and it was a perfect balance, actually. Um, enjoyed my athletics training full-time for that. And then teaching, I was doing about 15 hours a week maximum. Um, if I needed a bit of flexibility in terms of I, I needed to maybe go away for a competition or warm weather training, the school was super adaptable with that. And I was doing a job that I loved. I think I'd always enjoyed seeing young people improve. I'd had like previous coaching roles uh, throughout my time at uni and even through my time at college. 
And that kind of cemented in my mind um, during that time that if, you know, once this athletic journey finishes or, or at a stage in the future, uh, teaching was, was probably the career, that path that I'd like to go down. Because I think before leaving uni, um, I hadn't really set myself a career path as such. I was purely following my passions. And so, you know, knowing that life is short, you know, I wanted to give the athletics a good stab. And after that year, I, I didn't make the Commonwealth team. I finished as the second Scottish athlete at the trials, uh, um, third in, in, in the Commonwealth trials, but I didn't have the qualifying time. And there was a small glimmer of hope at one point that they were going to take a four by 400 relay team with the, the games being local in Manchester. That didn't quite happen. And even though I was working part-time, it was definitely a all or nothing, let's, let's try and make this happen. And I'd accumulated, let's say, a, a decent amount of debt during that time. And so that year, I decided to move back to Southampton, completed my PGCE at King Alfred's Winchester. Was absolutely buzzing in terms of in that, that course, uh, going in on my different placements. Luckily to have had some incredible mentors teaching me throughout that time. And then the year after that, went and yeah, started teaching at the school that I actually used to go to as a pupil. So Abbotswood Junior at the school when I was a pupil, a guy called Gary Heath was then the headmaster. And I submitted my, my CV and I didn't realize there was a job actually until after the applications had closed, I was working out in a gym and I'd slot it in the Thursday the night before, I was in the gym the next day. And during my time in the gym, I usually turn my phone off and uh, had the phone had the phone on for some reason and, and got the call from, from the, the school, picked it up and they were like, look, we've, we've finished our interviewing and we actually want to make an appointment today. Can you uh, come in now? I was like, uh, I'm at the gym, but yeah, if you're happy for me to turn up sweaty and, you know, in my uh, <laughs> gym attire, then I'll come along. So went down and yeah, had the interview kind of like there and then walked out. They gave me a call, said, look, we'd love you to work at our school. And almost it was, it was the perfect introduction to, to teaching, working alongside Gary Heath, who was, you know, to this day is probably one of the most inspirational leaders I've ever met. And yeah, I, six years at Abbotsford Junior School, and it was incredible how that school operated. It was, had amazing memories there as a pupil, and then incredible memories there as, as a teacher. Started off teaching grade, uh, year five, grade four, as I'd, I'd call it now. And in my second year, the Gary was, was very much about using people's strengths and kind of in term, workforce remodeling, I guess, would be the term that would be used. But he kind of listed everyone's passions, and mine at the time was sport. I was really keen on teaching as much PE as possible and, and maths and English as well, uh, the core subjects. And at that time, the 10% rule had come in for teachers to have non-contact time. And we managed to come up with this kind of workforce remodeling. There was an art teacher and a couple of other specialists where in the morning I looked after my class. And then every afternoon I was able to teach PE to different classes throughout the school. It was, it was a huge school, I believe the largest junior school in England. So we were seven form entry, 34 kids in each grade. So, you know, good two, 230 kids um, within each grade. We had really good facilities, massive sports hall, two sports halls, huge field, which, you know, probably the size of two 11 aside football pitches and then a bit extra around the edge of that as well. And yeah, it was the dream job. I got to employ, uh, or we collectively as a school got to employ six ever coaches 
in the area to work alongside us. We had Saints in the community, a few other sort of local sports coaches. And it was, it was an absolute dream job. And I had a good training set up, started training, carried on with the 400. My, my times weren't quite heading in the same direction when I was working full time. And certainly the balance was probably tipped, obviously, towards my, my job as a teacher. But I was enjoying both, even though my performances were dipping a little bit. I, I was still getting a lot out of my athletics. And the school life was amazing, getting to work alongside some incredible coaches who we were learning from each other every day. Um, that meeting at the end of each week where we debriefed, talked about what was going well, where we could improve and how we'd improve was, was always interesting, but a fun thing that I think all of the coaches looked forward to, to meeting, even though sometimes we moved it to a Thursday, actually, eventually, because I think Friday, <laughs> as much as we needed to debrief and meet, Thursday seemed to be the better day to do that. And yeah, um, eventually the opportunity came up um, to, I say the opportunity came up, I kind of set my sights a little bit on just, just looking to see what else in the world was out there. And Sharon Wellington, um, was one of the teachers that I actually went and did my initial teacher kind of, you have to do a two week practice before your PGCE. And she was based in North London and a good friend of mine, her ex-boyfriend was actually an athlete, uh, Graham Beasley. And so I, I knew Sharon through, through that link and she, she kept posting these incredible pictures about places she was visiting in Malaysia. And she, you know, we'd, we'd kept in contact and I found out a little bit more about her school, Garden International School. And the school just sounded incredible. It had rave reviews. I think it was listed in the Guardian magazine as one of the top international schools in the world. And there was an opportunity there to teach solely PE. And at the time, as much as I did enjoy teaching all the subjects, actually, that was very much a, a passion area for me. And again, as always in life, I've always followed my passions. I feel if you are passionate about what you do, you know, you wake up in the morning, you're looking forward to the day, you finish the day, you've had an awesome day. You can't be doing too much wrong. And in between that time, if you're passionate about what you're doing, that's going to rub off and, and send those positive vibes and influence those people around you. So um, strange circumstances. My interview was cancelled with uh, two gentlemen, Neil Smith and another gentleman. You may have heard of Simon Mann. <laughs> and um, they wanted to do the interview over, over like a, a phone call. And always for me, I'd rather meet people face to face and get a sense, first of all, from them, if they're the right people I want to work with, as well as them meeting me and getting a sense of if I'm a right fit for their school. So it was that time that the reason it was difficult to chat was to, to actually have my interview. They'd come over to the UK, but there was like massive snowstorms. So this, is, this must have been towards February 2009. And just luckily, the, the trains and transport had opened up the day they were flying out. So I had my interview at Heathrow Airport. <laughs> I literally got the train down to, to the airport. We did the interview in the terminal and they called me back um, to say, look, we don't actually have the PE position. Something had happened along the way, but we'd like to offer you, oh no, what it was, was they were looking for a female and they, they offered me initially a primary teaching job and Again, I was, this, the reason I wanted to work there was, was to follow my passions of, you know, teaching, teaching physical education. And so I turned it down. Um, and then eventually the conversation, they, 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 they actually it worked towards the fact that they did actually in the end offer me the, the primary PE role. So took the job, flew out to Malaysia with a, just remember, like 30 kg suitcase, 
nothing else. Started Garden International School and again, was blessed to be at a school which was, had some inspirational leaders. And after my first year of teaching primary P, moved into the, the head, of, head of primary P role. And then towards the end of my tenure there, moved into the athletic director role, which again was, felt like it was the right move at the time. I felt like I could have a better influence over a larger group of people. Uh, moving into that role, it sounded like an exciting opportunity. And after just a year within that role, um, UWC had always been on my radar. Um, even I knew about UWC even when I was in, in the UK. When I was looking at international schools, obviously Sharon had recommended Garden, but I did have a look at what else was out there. And UWC was one of the other ones which I had shortlisted and, and looked at as well as Garden because obviously it's good to have a backup plan. And just because one person's recommended it, I wanted to see what else was out there. And so when the opportunity came up for, again, the primary role, I'd, I'd had that experience just for actually for a few months when the role came up of the overview of athletics director and the activities director role seems quite appealing in terms of allowing people to pursue their passions, not just in sport, which I do think it's important for all of us to live a, a healthy, active lifestyle. But I also can see that a lot of people get joys out of other areas such as music, the arts, um, etc. So the role came up again, applied, got that. And so I'm coming to the end of my fifth year as head of activities in the primary school at UWC. And again, still waking up in the morning, looking forward to the day, tiny bit tougher during these COVID-19 times and then finishing the day, um, having had a generally a great experience, um, a lot more admin in the job role, which I would say, you know, it's not all smiles. There's, 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 there's some, some bits that maybe I would not say uh, I'm completely smiling about all the time, but generally the job is, is incredibly enjoyable. Again, a great mission aligned school, which, yeah, I generally love. And, and I guess that's my, my story in terms of my, my educational journey thus far and very happy so far in Singapore and Still learning. As, as you know, I came out to visit you guys last year and really enjoyed that visit. And I get a lot of learning and then a lot of joy, actually, of going to other schools, other areas, finding out what other people are up to. And if I can't actually visit a school, I go onto the website and try and get a sense and deal and try and look at the best possible practice around, around the world, bring that to UWC. Or, or sometimes it's a case of going out, not quite liking what I'm seeing and actually reinforcing that what we're doing at UWC is, 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 is pretty good. Yeah, the, um, the, the CPD of going to other schools and, and having a little look is, is superb, isn't it? You, you touched on there and obviously you talked with such passion and positivity about getting up in the morning uh, uh, and having a good day and making sure you go to bed and you've had a smile on your face. How, how do you stay positive? Can you give us a little insight into that? Yeah, I think first of all, I've... I found a career that I am passionate about. I had, as I mentioned, I had such a happy childhood educationally growing up with some phenomenal teachers. So I'd say a lot of the people that have influenced my life have been teachers. My, my dad died when I was quite young and Peter Mann, who was the head at Abbotswood Junior School. So I was eight when my dad died and Gary Heath, the deputy head, the pastoral support that I got was phenomenal. And even going into my secondary school, when Let's just say I wasn't the, the best behaved pupil. Not, not like really naughty, but certainly uh, attention seeking to a degree. The teachers were just amazing. And, and this journey 
of having amazing teachers, lecturers just continued throughout. And I guess that positivity rubbed off on me and finding a career. I, I just see, you know, there are obviously people that teach that maybe this is just a job they found themselves in, where for me, it was a job I wanted to do and still want to do. And also, I guess as well, whenever the job, you know, there's going to be flashpoints where things do get on top of you. I have a holiday, maybe six, eight weeks away where I can refresh, debrief, chill out, reflect, get myself back to my positive self. But also, I think the balance of my sport, uh, which again is something I'm passionate about, um, my, my competitions, particularly at the moment for obstacle course racing. But I've had a, I've had a different passion, which has changed throughout my my life, whether it was athletics, which I guess was my first real passion to surfing initially when I moved out to Southeast Asia. And now with the obstacle course racing with Spartan, you know, if I go out for a 90 minute run, the ideas that are flashing in my head and the, the problem solving that takes place during that time while I'm running is, is amazing. You know, it, I, if I feel the worst place to sometimes troubleshoot and plan is, is staying an extra two hours at school and, sitting there trying to think about it. My, my best ideas, my best thinking happens when I'm running. And sometimes that's frustrating because I wish maybe 45 minutes into my run when I'm in the middle of the trails, I've got a pen and paper and I can write something down or I want to stop and make a, a note, note on my phone, etc. And I come back and I was like, I had that figured out, but that was 45 minutes ago. What was it? Eventually it'll come back to me. But having that balance is, is, is key for me. And again, luckily I've, I've found a sport I'm passionate about. And what I don't want to see is people you know when people say oh I've got to go to the gym I've got to go out and exercise there are so many different forms of physical activity out there there must be something out there that is right for you whether that's dancing or a team sport or an individual sport or simply going for a walk for your dog you know walking swimming yoga it doesn't need to be high physical activity just moving being active that can help yeah I love that Ian where you you, the best ideas are out when you're walking or you're running and you, you're scrambling to remember them. I've still, there's a, I think there's some, there's some money to be out there and now we can translate those ideas to real, isn't there? We need some kind of yeah, device sure. that records them, like a thought processor. Yeah, you've got me thinking. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe I've got a run plan later on. Maybe I'll come up with a strategy. We can, uh, we can collaborate again and, and come up with an idea. But yeah, certainly it's the amount of good ideas that come to me when I'm running. Literally, the amount of troubleshooting I do on, on that, that is where most of the magic happens in my mind in terms of moving thing forward, things forward when I exercise. So I guess I am still working when I'm running, but it doesn't feel like it. No, and it's a really interesting point that you've made because you, you did allude to the fact that it's quite easy to stay at your desk and try and find an answer and force it. And quite often, you, obviously you found something that's a passion, but quite often a distraction can help you bring those ideas back to the table. And obviously that's incredibly beneficial for your well-being as well to be able to go out and do something and clear your head yet whilst you're clearing head find somehow that you're getting the ideas that you couldn't get before um you, you mentioned earlier on that you, you've had some amazing leaders what what made those people such amazing leaders throughout your childhood and what kind of traits do they have that that you try to to bring to your work now so so i mentioned a guy called gary heath who i would probably say is the most inspirational leader out there that, that, that i say out there the one that I've had experience with. He was a people's person. He was a visionary. He, he, 
I, I guess one of the, well, the best things I can say is when, when we had the school assembly, everybody could not wait. The school assembly, we want to get in there and, and hear what he had to say, what little gems he had to drop. And for my teaching, I still teach uh, within my role now. So I'm teaching maths this year. It's the same thing. I want people to come into my sessions, you know, coming in super excited. Oh, we've got Mr. Deef next We, you know, our lesson's going to happen. And then finishing the lesson, not wanting the lesson to end. And, you know, Gary was just like that. If he was having a meeting, a staff meeting, you were looking forward to the staff meeting. Some people cringe. Oh, we've got an, another meeting. If it was a Gary Heath meeting, you were looking forward to that meeting. And again, something I'm trying to translate, if I'm going to hold a meeting, there has to be a purpose to it, but I want the buy-in. I want the people to be there. So I guess another trait that I'm going to move on to is, is the fact that shared ownership, you know, making sure that everybody contributes towards that meeting. I know something I started, I don't know if I, if I took this idea from someone else or just came up with it, but certainly within the meetings, when I started doing the meetings at Abbotswood with the coaches, one of the things I started was at the start of each session, number one agenda item always was a positive of the week. So everybody had to bring something positive to the table. Everybody had to, I say, if weren't forced to speak, but there's never been an instance where no one wanted to say something positive. And, and that just set the right agenda for the meetings. Everybody got to speak. There was buy-in from everybody. Everybody got to hear something from someone else. And even if we had a pressing engagement, say it was CSAC weekend or for this year or a major tournament or something that was, you know, had quite tight deadlines to meet, that agenda item never moved. And even now I did took that to me through um, garden. And then even, even within our meetings now at UWC, we start our Monday morning meetings with the team positive of the week. Sometimes it goes on for half an hour and it's critical just making sure that everybody gets involved and everybody likes it and enjoys it and comes to the meeting smiling and it's, it's absolutely superb. So yeah. Um, yeah. Leaders. So yeah, I guess people, per, people, per, people, <laughs> trying to get the right language here but someone that cares about people puts people first someone that's inspirational has a vision someone's passionate about what they do and yeah care about education i guess if you're in teaching you want to care about learning be a learner yourself and i think all of these people just displayed a great growth mindset as well you know gary and, and the other inspirational leaders they weren't scared simon's a great example he would get involved with anything and everything um and so yeah, you know, it, having that growth mindset of, oh, no, no, look, I only coach this sport or I only do this. No, we, we have the capacity to learn. And you might actually find more about yourself by putting yourself in those trickier situations, teaching something different than sticking with the norm. So. And, and you know, it, sh it shines across again so clearly that you're passionate and positive. What about those days where things do go wrong? You know, those days where for whatever reason, you don't squeeze in your workout. You don't have that time that you, you, you usually have to really dedicate to your training. You know, things haven't gone well in the lessons and children have left not as enthused as you'd have liked. How do you handle that? So that, that does happen frequently still. Um, some of my lessons definitely don't go according to plan. I definitely take a lot of risks with, with some of the teaching that I do. And if it doesn't go according to plan, I'll still take positives from it. And there are always positives in everything you do. So just treat them as, as, as learning experiences. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but sometimes when the lessons don't go well, um, you know, there, there's, there's bigger lessons there. But 
actually sometimes when the lessons do go well you've got to give the same reflection as well you know take the positives out of the things that go well but it could probably still be better so you know just just have a little bit of a reflection there and and, and still go through the same review process so i guess just being consistent knowing that lessons aren't always going to go well and if they don't work out why they didn't and try and fix it next time you still might make a mistake you still may have blips but there's going to be days like that so just accepting that being consistent with your approach but having to change when when you do work out what needs to change so i, I think it's just a it's almost like a rolling cycle of positivity i guess i don't get me wrong there's been times when i've encountered like trickier situations but i've just tried to adopt the same positive mindset control the controllables i guess is is quite key there's there's things that are out of your control and if those are the things that have caused failure then it's easy to segment those and just put those to one side that was nothing to do with what you did and then look at the controllables okay right that was within my control i could have planned that better i could have executed that better i was thinking maybe more much more about the future maybe in this instance when i should have been focusing on the present and and just going through that review but there's positives in, 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 in everything that we do and, and you always have to focus on that. So a lot of reflection and, and keep looking at the positives. Yep. And I, th I think that, that reflection process of what went well, starting with that, starting with the positive, even better if, okay, what could have I done better? And then with the even better if, thinking about some solutions to take with you next time. And not going crazy with it as well. If, if you had a disaster, a session where, you know, 10 things went wrong, Okay, just maybe focus on one of those things. Okay, right, which was the biggest thing that went wrong rather than really digging yourself down and, and listing those 10 points. And sometimes as well, when I do the reflections of, of what went well, even better if, maybe just listing like three on each side, not going crazy analysis, just, just digging out a few to move with you next time. That's great advice, Ethan. I like that idea of maybe just picking two or three, you know, keeping it, keeping it short. Yeah. Ian, I'd just like to explore a little bit about how you you balance that elite sportsman's life and working in a super busy top-notch school where you've got a yep. lot of responsibility. How do you do that? So a lot of forward planning. So I think if people were going to describe me, <clears throat> hopefully they would describe me as positive, but definitely they describe me as a planner. So, you know, I, I, I look at the school year and maybe the year after that as well. UWC are fantastic at panning out their calendars. So I know when my breaks are. I know when the busy periods are. I know when a CSAC might be coming up or a big junior school or primary school meet or tournament or something along those lines, which I know is going to be quite dedicated to my time. So, so let's say that's within the schedule. Then I'll, I'll plan my competitions around that, the, the training phases around that. And so say, for example, I know it's a very heavy week at school. I'll do a very heavy week of training in the lead up to that. And then I'll do a down week within the training. And as I say, I, I will still train. I think, Lewis, you mentioned maybe earlier about how do I cope with missing sessions. I don't really miss the sessions. I'll get up early. I'll do it at 3, 4, 5 a.m. if needed, or 10, 11, 12, whatever it takes to make sure I complete that session. But when I'm saying completing that session, for me, it might just be an easier week where I'm going out for like a very slow, steady, steady run or working on mobility, flexibility, or maybe just hammering like a time trial, like a, say, a mile time trial. So I'll do just a warm-up, mile time trial, jog back. And so the planning side of things I feel is, is, is quite key. And, you know, I, I have an idea of, of already probably races that I'm going to be doing in February next year, if COVID-19 allows. So I know, for example, there's a, there's a half marathon, the rack half marathon 
all the Bustleton half marathon that I'd like to tackle in either Australia or, or the Middle East in my Chinese New Year break. I know that's going to be a big focus and, and that would fit well with my travel plan. So in and around that, there's not going to be a competition there that I, I need to dedicate my time for school for. And yeah, that, that forward planning, simple as that really. And again, I guess going back to the passions, the school, I'm enjoying what I'm doing there. And then I'm looking forward to the break as well. So it, it all, all ticks all the boxes. Tell us, Deethi, what, what a, a regular day looks like for you. So I don't know if, uh, if there is such a thing as a regular day, but I, I, I guess if there was, it could possibly look like this. So I generally I'll, I'll wake up and brush my teeth. And then um, I will always go straight to um, doing some mobility. I won't generally look at my phone, actually, first thing in the morning. Um, apart from, obviously, to turn the alarm off. I do use an alarm to get up. And then, yep, yeah, work on my mobility. During my breakfast, I will actually check my work emails when I'm, at, when I'm at home. So the reason I do that is because I cycle into work. So during that 30-minute commute... I guess my mind is filing through the priorities for the day. So as I'm, as I'm working through, I'm doing that. If there's not too much on the agenda, I'll work on a podcast and I'll listen to that on my cycle and I have some earphones. I was telling you before we went online, which allow me to listen to my surroundings as well. The Aeropax, I've forgotten the actual name of the brand, but they're, they don't actually fit inside your ears. So it's good. I use them when I'm running. So it's quite safe in terms of listening to your surroundings, but actually being able to listen to the content as well. Get to work. Um, if there's important agenda items um, that I need to deal with, then I, I guess I'm just working through my school day, whether that involves meetings, teaching, etc. cetera. Um, Tuesdays and Thursdays are usually my busier days during the week. Um, that's usually when we have fixtures and I'm there till quite late and they're lighter training days for me. Monday and Wednesday are days when I'm usually finishing a little bit earlier and that's my heavier track days as well as usually a Saturday morning. And yeah, um, the training will, will change depending on which phase of my training I'm in, what I'm doing. But generally, Tuesdays and Thursdays will be my lighter days. Fridays, a bit more of a time with the wife in the evenings and uh, in the evenings for the Saturday and Sunday evenings. And then, yeah, I'll do a lot of my heavy sessions at the weekends where I can actually, like, I guess the Saturday is, is my, again, a harder session along with the Monday and the Wednesday. And then Sunday is usually my long run. I don't know if I've explained a, a, a day so, so much well because it changes so much depending on, I guess, if we're coming up to a competition at school or something large at school or a large competition that I'm training for. So as I say, the planning kind of happens and you know, I'll, I'll log through it and make sure and, and just try to utilize the hours of each day as, as much as I can. I'd say you know, I'm not massively social at work. I'll chat to my department and I'll try and be friendly and, 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 and do what I need to do. But I have a list of things that I need to tick and, and, and get done. And yeah, just, just try and plan the day as productively as possible. But yeah, obviously if, if, if the students need me, that's the time when things bend. And, and then if there's obviously something important that crops up, then, I, then I'll just work it out on the fly. And, and, and if I need to be extending my run late into the evening or the next day I need to get up slightly earlier to, to tick a box, then I'll do that. Uh, the planning usually helps. Yeah incredible scheduling and as you yeah. said, I think you're probably heavily task orientated to, in order to, to get that done and, and heavily motivated. You've not, you've not touched on injuries, Deethi. I'm interested there. Yeah. Have you had points where like Kelly, uh, like, like Kelly Holmes, where she talks about the despair of, of being injured 
have you had have you encountered that and how did your positivity take a knock or what did you do to to get over that yeah i've had lo loads of injuries i'd say within the last 18 months i've been very healthy and i feel that is you know my performances over the last 18 months i turned 41 next week and i've you know last year i ran personal bests over sort of 5k 10k half marathon and at the beginning of this year i ran a personal best for the 5k so still improving my endurance performance obviously when i was sprinting back in the day i don't think i'm going to be hitting the same times as i was for the 400 meters back then but yeah with the injuries i guess the process was 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 simple just doing what i needed to do to get myself as healthy as possible so finding someone that would give me the correct diagnosis and then doing what I needed to do to get myself healthy as quickly as possible. So finding the right people to work with and treating that rehab process as hard as I would a normal training session. So doing what I needed to do in, and then ticking the boxes and, and working hard. And I never really found any of the, prehab, the rehab stuff. Um, sometimes the exercise can be quite repetitive and maybe for some people not quite as exciting as as the training itself but it's a means to an end and I think having that goal in mind of where you want to be and the competitions and what you know the gold at the end of the rainbow is is is, is quite key so yeah it's definitely I've had a lot of injuries it's it's don't get me wrong it's been difficult at times I'm not saying that I'm, I was turning up and, and enjoying the, the rehab and going through these times rather than competing and just finding every positive you know watching the competitions and, and setting myself targets and okay right by the end of this week, I need to be here. By the end of this week, I need to be here planning things carefully again. Um, if setbacks happen, just staying positive, reviewing why the setbacks happened, and then taking the necessary steps to move forward. But having great support mechanisms, positive people who know their stuff. And I guess I'm, I've talked about this, you know, being positive about what you do, but certainly the team that I'm working with now, I work with a guy called Dr. Kenny from the Stretch Clinic, and he is passionate about seeing people not get injured so we, i do a lot of prehab work now so rather than going in to see the physio when i'm injured I, I know my weaknesses i know i have poor internal hip rotation i know i've got a bit of a dodgy ankle and so these are things that i work on continuously with the stretch clinic with dr kenny and so we're hitting these problems before they arise and, and turn into injuries and you know the proof's in the pudding last 18 months i haven't been injured last year i, I ran pbs i had my best season in spa and yet back on the protein this year so, so that seems to be working. Not saying that there's still areas I can't improve. Not saying I still don't get the odd little niggles. I do. But the journey is moving in an upwards trajectory. So obviously with the odd little dips as things do, but I think things are pretty good at the moment. Yeah, I'm, I'm slightly embarrassed as a, as a 40 odd year old. I'm slightly a bit older than you, Dave. I'm going to go out for a run this afternoon. You've, you've do it. motivated me. <laughs> um, just winding it down a bit now, Ian, and... We'll, we'll yep. go for these little quick fire ones towards the end. Um, yeah. Does leaving a legacy matter to you? Leaving a legacy? Um, it's not something I really think about. Obviously, I want to make sure that I've lived the best possible life and had a positive influence on the people that I've come into contact with. So if that happens, great. But it's not an end goal for me. I'm not thinking about leaving a legacy on a day-to-day -day basis. I, I plan. And then when I plan and I'm in the moment, I focus very much on the present. So... Yes, I guess it would be great, but no, it's not something that's that I, I it is a goal for me. Okay, Dithi, if if you could um, compete in any event in the world, in any sport or or any kind of activity or discipline, what would you compete in? So 
I love what I'm doing now. I genuinely feel that Spartan is the best for me at this moment in time event that I could be competing in. They have different areas. They have the Stadion, which is a stadium Spartan. They have um, like the Sprint, the Super, the Beast, which gradually go up to an Ultra Beast, which is a 50K with 50 obstacles. But my favorite is the Stadion. So I guess a Spartan Stadion in an iconic stadium. Ironically, I was due to head out to the States for the whole of the summer break this year before COVID-19 happened. I was going to spend five weeks training in Colorado with some of the top pros out there. And then I had an LA stadium, LA Dodgers stadium race in planned. It's kind of the, the icing on the cake of that. So fingers crossed the calendar works out next summer and that'll be the aim, but there's going to be a Spartan stadium world championships. And for me, even though, you know, maybe something like, you know, the 100 meters final would be a, a something that would be more prestigious on other people's radar. My passion is Spartan. If it was something else, I'd be doing the 100 meters still, or I'd be doing the 400 meters still, or I'd be out surfing. I found my passion, so it would be exactly that. Yeah, cheers for that. It's an interesting yeah. one. Um, just a final one then. Uh, which three leaders in history would you like to go out for a, a meal with? Oh, God. Three, three leaders in history. So that's, that's pretty tough. <laughs> um, Nelson Mandela, I think, have to be yeah. just um, for many reasons. Um, just, just hugely inspirational game changer in terms of his philosophies, you know, the things that he left behind. In terms of leaving a legacy, I think if you speak to most teachers, they'll, they'll be able to give a quote from him. And he's just an amazing guy. Um, I, guess, I guess to a degree, I'm, I'm, I'm not so fixed on supporting one football team anymore. I used to be, and I used to support Arsenal, but I'm actually pretty open to, I like watching sport in general now and, and less of a bias towards a particular team. But I guess Arsene Wenger, the way he came in and changed the game and, you know, it's completely different in terms of how he approached things. And I think I'd enjoy talking to him. So I guess Arsene Wenger would be another good one. Yeah. Um, Clive Woodward, maybe as well. I loved what he did in terms of marginal gains and, and how he led England to winning the Rugby World Cup. So I think I'd have a great conversation with those three. So if you asked me this question in an hour, I'd probably come up with three different people. <laughs> but off the top of my head, they're, they're, they're the three that have come to mind. Yeah, that, they're, they're great three. And it'd be, a, be an interesting conversation between, the, between you guys. It's better than Simon's having a drink with Gandhi. That was the, that's the best quote. <laughs> <so far. laughs> Gandhi's a bit of a legend too, so we, he'd welcome to join our table anytime as well. He could come along. No, I don't. Alan, I'll let Ian, yep. last one. Are you, are you reading a book at the minute? Is there anything that you want to recommend uh, that people read or listen to? Is there anything out there that yeah, you sure. think so at the moment? I think book-wise, I've actually got it next to me. I'm actually reading Endure by Alex Hutchinson. And I guess it's talking more about like the limits of, of human performance, but the kind of conclusion it's coming to, it, it's more about like not physiologically, but psychologically how, how much you can push yourself and loving that book. I've actually got another one, which I've revisited, which I would recommend to everybody next to me, which is Mindset <laughs> by Carl Dweck. Yeah, <laughs> this is, I've gone back to this book so many times. I've actually, I don't know if you can see at the back, I've actually taken all the post-its out because I make little <laughs> notes as I go along. And I've decided just to make new post-its as I go along because just, just I enjoy 
jotting down my thoughts as I go through through books. Um, I'm, I'm listening. Just imagine, to... I'm just imagining you running now while you try to read and take a few. <laughs> so so sometimes on, on my longer runs as well, um, I'll put a podcast on and chat to you guys. You know, John McAvoy for me. Uh, he's 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 got an interesting life story. His podcast with Rich Roll is one I would recommend to everybody. It's definitely the number one podcast that I've listened to. I put it above my my own podcast. I do a little plug there for un, unlocking athletic potential, which is a, a podcast I've just released with one of my good friends, Johnny T. And enjoying actually having those conversations and learning more about people who I considered good friends that I know in the athletics world than having just a general conversation normally on the phone with them, which has been amazing. But yeah, Rich Roll, John McAvoy, if anyone's going to listen, wants a good podcast to listen to, that's amazing. A guy that went to jail um, at a very young age, uh, was considered one of the you know, most dangerous men in Britain. And when he went to prison, um, there was only a rowing machine that he could work out on. And during his time there, um, broke several British and world records on the rower came out, become a professional triathlete, um, triathlete and Ironman, and now is basically changing people's lives, is fighting for better um, reform in prisons, is fighting for so much out there in the world, an amazing inspirational figure, would love to meet this guy and chat to him more. Maybe, maybe he can join a dinner table with uh, Nelson Mandela, <laughs> Arsene Wenger and Clive Woodward, be a, be a great person to chat to and have a conversation with. Superb. Ian, thank you very much for coming on and, and everybody out there, search Infinite Leaders on YouTube and, and IGTV. Um, we're also launching soon on, on popular podcast apps, so keep your eyes peeled for that. And remember to visit our website, theinfinitelearners.com for articles, webinars, blogs and updates. Um, and thank you very much, Ian D, for coming on today. Thoroughly enjoyed that and, and I'm sure people will be struck by such a positive outlook and so so much passion about what you do in terms of sport and your work it's a pleasure being on and, and as i say i appreciate your you guys giving me the opportunity one to come on but when you allowed me to come to your school to visit as well where I picked up loads of stuff love your guys philosophy and obviously wishing you all the best in your, in your new schools into the new year guys as well cheers Ian. thanks, thanks very much. Much. cheers guys